1: EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a TAD predictable hosted by Tadiwa. boys and girls two-footed podcast on Tuesday the 16th of May hope you're all keeping well we had one game in the Premier League last night and Liverpool ran out comfortable 3-0 winners at the King power over Leicester I think Leicester looked like a team who would just given up the ghost last night and who just accepted the fact that they're almost certainly going down they have two games left they will go to Newcastle next. That's not a game you'd fancy them to get much from. They do have West Ham at home on the final day, and they could well win that game, but I think it'll be far too little too late. They just, they look like a team that have accepted their fate. And with 22 defeats in the league this season, that is basically what they deserve is relegation. Um, If we look at Liverpool then, Fifth, a point off Newcastle and United. They both have a game in hand. But all Liverpool can do is keep winning and keep putting the pressure on and and hope that one of them buckles. Because they only need one of them to buckle. And I would say United are more likely to fall to pieces because I just don't think they're very good. But at the same time, they do have the easier run-in compared to Newcastle. So I'm not really sure which one I'm banking on more, but I'm I'm still hopeful that Liverpool can pull out uh, an improbable Champions League spot. Because based on how they've performed this season, they don't actually deserve one, but that's not going to stop me wanting one. Uh, we have some big games tonight, and these are what I want to focus in on. So in the Championship, we'll start there. We get the second leg of Luton versus Sunderland tonight. The second leg of Borough versus Coventry is tomorrow. This game will be at Kenilworth Road. Sunderland have a 2-1 lead from the first game, thanks to an outrageous free kick by Ahmed Diallo. And a really well-worked second goal um, with that Jack Cl- Jack Clark cross and Trey Hume's uh, bullet header, which gave... Luton's goalkeeper, uh, Ethan Horvat, no chance, absolutely no chance of saving it. It was a good game of football, um, a game that I think will be replicated tonight. Luton obviously finished third in the league and came into these playoffs as the favourite at least to get to the playoff final. But Sunderland under Mowbray, they do play a really attractive brand of football which is unusual for a Sunderland team. And it's worth remembering as well that last season they were in league one. So this is back-to-back promotions they're going for, which doesn't happen all that often, but would be an incredible achievement for them to turn things around so quickly. I mean, everybody sat and watched, I assume the Sunderland till I die documentary series. And I think it's fair to say people laughed at how badly run the club was and just the carry on of players, officials, managers, executives. It was just all a mess. From start to finish, it was a mess. But they really do under this new ownership, they really do seem to have turned things around and, Look this wasn't easy for them They came up this season and the manager walked out And decided to go to Stoke
0: And they had to scramble And and get Tony Mowbray in And you look at the league table They finished 16
1: points clear of Stoke And their future Is a lot brighter than Stoke's Now maybe Stoke were able to offer a bigger wage More money to spend I don't know what the situation was But that to me has always stood As a, as a really bizarre decision, like you've just gotten a team promoted. You've gotten, you know, a a big club that seem willing to back you. You've done a really good job at getting the club up. You took over in the February, managed to get them promoted and you just walk away. I don't know why Alex Neil made that decision. I really don't. Was he worried that it wouldn't go well? Was he worried that, you know, having brought Norwich up and then failed in the Premier League, having not been able to get Preston promoted, was he worried that he'd get pigeonholed as a manager that's, you know, good but not good enough? Well, unfortunately for him, that's what's going to happen at Stoke. Because Stoke looked miles off. And Sunderland are right on the precipice of getting into that playoff final. And in a one-off game, absolutely anything could happen. And while I would fancy Borough to beat them if that's what the final is, I wouldn't put it past Sunderland. I think Sunderland-Coventry would be a really interesting game. But they've got to get through Luton tonight, and there's part of me that really wants Luton back in the top division. Like, I like how they've gone about building this team. I like the fact that their manager also walked out on them to take the Southampton job, failed spectacularly. They brought in Rob Edwards, who'd been bombed out by Watford earlier in the season. A very brave decision, considering he was sacked by their biggest rivals, Watford. They just took the plunge. And brought him in. He lasted 11 games at Watford. But they made a decision that his work with Forest Green Rovers, with Telford United, and his uh, stint with the England youth setup was what they were going to have a look at, more so than the Watford experience. Because Watford are a club that just like to sack managers. I'm I'm really impressed by how Luton have set themselves up. And when you look at the recruitment, like there's no there's, there's been no money to spend. They're not a club that have gone out and bought their way to promotion. Uh Alfie Doughty brought in the summer, Colley Woodrow, Matt Macy, Louis Watson, Carlton Morris, John McAtee, Arabin Peppel. Jack Walton, Joe Taylor, Ethan Horvath, Cody Drama, and Marvelous Nakamba all on loans. The rest of them
0: all for small fees. They they haven't brought in names. They've brought in players that fit
1: the profile. They've decided to take a data-based approach to recruitment. One of the lads that was with market insights who i think was blades analytica on twitter for a number of years i think he's changed it to his real name now he joined them to join their recruitment team and since he's gone there the club has gone from strength to strength and i think he's really done that uh, they've really done a great job at identifying what they need and going out and getting them and if you look at the way luton finished the season They lost on December 10th to Borough. That was their second defeat in three games. They'd only won one of six games with three defeats. Sorry, one of seven games with three defeats in that time. They'd lost six games total to that point in the year. Since then, they've only lost twice. They lost to an in-form West Brom. And they lost to Burnley. Since the Burnley defeat, which was the 18th of February, they've won eight and drawn six of 14. This is obviously prior to the Sunderland away game. But they ended the season in great form, flying. And I'll be really interested to see how they react tonight. Remember as well Kenilworth Road. Is tiny. Capacity 10,356. The Vitality Stadium, I believe, is the smallest stadium that the Premier League has ever had, uh, also known as Dean Court, 11,307. So it's even smaller than the Vitality by about a 1,000 people, which when you're talking about 10,000, 1,000 is a lot. It's it's a mad stadium. It looks crazy inside. You wouldn't know it's there from certain spots outside. I still have memories of them with the artificial pitch.
0: And teams used to hate to go there. Absolutely hated to go there. They were they were notorious as
1: well in terms of the hooligans. Um, I would invite everybody to look up the 1985 Kenilworth Road Riot. Um, if you've seen the recent, well, I don't know how recent it is, the documentary on Channel 4 about the 1990 World Cup and the role the police played in trying to keep the English hooligans um, you know, out of the action because so much was riding on England fans' behaviour at that tournament, including the return of English clubs to European competition and the police put in place a plan four or five years earlier to put undercover cops in with some of the more notorious mobs um but one of the more infamous moments was that riot between Millwall fans and Luton fans and Luton fans stood their own against everybody despite their smaller numbers but when i was a kid Luton were a top flight team for a couple of years and I always remember everybody would say it's a horrible place to go. Nobody wants to go and play at Luton. And then as I got older and when I lived in Liverpool I lived in England rather, I would regularly go to games around London, whatever was on, whatever I could get a ticket to, and I found myself um, at Kenilworth Road on a couple of occasions, and it is just it's a really strange stadium. It's really strange. And the layout of it is weird. The one side. Is such a small. Tiny narrow little stand. The other sides are a bit more normal. Um, But yeah. the, The Oak Road end. Where you go through. The houses to get in. Is. It's just weird. You're just walking down a row of houses. And then there's what looks like it should be someone's garage door, but it's actually the entrance into the stadium. Um, so, yeah, I, part of me really wants Luton to come up, but, you know, I, I don't have a dog in the fight, so I don't really mind what way it works out. Um, there's a Champions League semi-final on tonight as well, and for most people, that's probably the more important game. I think, in general, it's the more important game because it's the Champions League, but... Luton Sunderland is really important to me and for this podcast because it's going to potentially going to impact who's in the Premier League next year, and it's you know a team I'm going to have to get familiar with, especially if it's Luton because I couldn't pick most of their players out of a lineup. Sunderland I have a, a bit more of an understanding of who they have and and what they have, but uh, Luton are, are not a team I've seen a, a whole bunch of times in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, Champions League semi final second leg. Inter Milan versus AC Milan. Inter hold the two-goal advantage from the first leg. AC need a big performance, and they're going to need to get an early goal, I think, to stand any chance. I fancy Inter for a couple of reasons. One, I think they've got the best player in Nicola Barella. Two, I think they've got the better manager. And three, they've got that lead, and that lead is that's a big lead to have going into a game like this. Now, away goals obviously don't matter anymore. So, if Milan were to win 3-1, it just goes to extra time and penalties. 2-0, extra time penalties. I don't know that I can see Milan winning by two clear goals. I could see them winning the game. I just don't know if they can win by two clear goals. But I do think it's going to be fun. Obviously, all eyes are on tomorrow night's semi-final second leg, which, for many people, is basically the final. Because I, I think the view... Is and It's a view I share, that whoever comes through from City versus Real should go on to win the final. They should have too much for either of the Milan clubs. But you never know. You just never know in a Champions League final. Strange things happen. Teams just don't turn up. Everybody thought City would wipe the floor with Chelsea a few years ago. And Chelsea ended up winning the game. I'm looking forward to both games tonight. I'm not sure yet which one I'll watch. I'm leaning towards watching the Luton Sunderland game just because there's the two goal lead for Inter in their game. Um, if 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 AC get a, get an early goal, I might switch over. Um, right, said yesterday we would go around Europe and see what's gone on in the European leagues. So
0: we'll start in Austria. Their season is over. I believe. Is it over? No, it's not over. Hang on a sec. Yeah, their season is over. I am right. Their season is over. Um Red Bull Salzburg have have won the league. They are, well, sorry, no, they haven't won the league.
1: They've got a weird playoff thing, a championship round and a relegation round. So Red Bull Salzburg currently sit three points clear of Sturm Graz. They've got two games left. Three games left, excuse me. They've got three games left, two at home, one away. Uh, so it's them or Sturmgratz to win the league. Lask are third, and we'll finish third. Rap, uh, Austria-Vienna, Rapid Vienna, and austria Klagenfurt <laughs> will round out that group. Um, looking likely for relegation is reindorf Altak. That's a bizarre... I, I don't like these playoff rounds, but I understand when there's less teams in the league, it is often uh, beneficial to just flush out the games because otherwise... Otherwise, the seasons would be very, very short. So, um, yeah, it's, it's Red Bull Salzburg or it's Sturm Graz to win the title there. Uh, we'll move on to the Belgian Pro League,
0: where, as things stand, we have a playoff situation. Now, in the regular season...
1: Um, Genk finished top on 75 points Union St. gilloise finished second, also 75 points with a worst goal difference and then it's Antwerp and Club Bruges rounding out the top four then we get into a playoff situation so uh, as things stand Royal Antwerp are top of the playoff group Uh, Ahead of Union Saint-Gelos, Genk and Club Bruges. So they would win the league and get the Champions League spot if that holds. But they do still have three games left. So we'll see how that one pans out. Um, I'm looking for leagues that have normal, normal campaigns. Um, Croatia. Dinamo Zagreb have been crowned champions. Congrats to them. 10 points clear of Hajduk split. Well done. They'll be in the Champions League qualifiers next year. Uh, the Danish Super League, it's got a championship round as well. And Copenhagen are one point ahead of Nordelsjand, who are two points ahead of Vyberg. So that is still all to play for. That season runs till the 9th of June. Uh, so a few more rounds to go there, uh, I believe. Three rounds to go still in that league. <clears throat> in France, PSG are top of the table. Six points clear of Lens with
0: with three games to go. Only two teams qualifying automatically for the Champions League
1: group stage out of France this year. With the third place spot going into the third qualifying round. Um, so as it goes, it's Marseille who would go into the qualifying round, and Monaco could still get it, but they would need to win their last three games and hope Marseille lose their last three games. So Monaco will be in the, oh sorry, Marseille will be in the Champions League, uh, barring an absolute c- catastrophe for them. Um, PSG will win the league; they're six points clear with a massive goal difference advantage. So if they win their next game. PSG are pretty much champions but four points will clinch it for them. In the Bundesliga this one is shaping up to be the only meaningful title race in Europe, in the main European leagues this year Two games left Bayern Munich on 68 points, Borussia Dortmund on 67 points Dortmund had their chance, they may have blown it We'll have to see how that one pans out but Dortmund have a home game against Mainz and an away game against Augsburg. Both are games they should win. Both really are games they should win. Bayern have an away game against Cologne and a home game against RB Leipzig. It, it's not outside the realms of possibility that they drop points. Leipzig will be a tough game. Because Leipzig are still battling to secure a top four finish themselves. As it stands, they're third and will get in. Union Berlin are fourth and Freiburg, unfortunately, have just dropped a little bit too far and currently sit fifth. They they will finish fifth at worst. Um, There's a bit of a battle going on for the Conference League spot. Wolfsburg, Bayer Leverkusen, Eintracht Frankfurt and Mainz could all end up in sixth and get a Conference League spot. But the real, the real tale is, is what's going on there at the top of the league. Bayern Munich or Borussia Dortmund to win the league. Still all to play for. Bayern just need to win out and it will be theirs. Um, we move to the Greek league where Panikonitis topped the league. And in the playoff round, they're currently sitting second. A, oh, sorry, it's it. they will finish second. A.K. Athens have won the league through the playoff system. Panikinaitos, second. Olympiakos,
0: third. P.A.O.K., fourth. It's a really tough beat to play 26 games
1: and finish top and then just, just fall off when you get into these playoff games. Now, admittedly, Athens finished second and only two points behind at the end of league play. But still, it is tough. In Syria, we know Napoli have won the league. That is done and dusted. Juventus will be in Europe. We just don't know which competition yet. But Champions League is looking very likely. They're eight points clear of Milan with three games left. Milan sit fifth. So Juve pretty much certain of Champions League for next year. Inter are third, Lazio are fourth Then Milan, then Roma Then Atalanta So still all to play for there For Champions League, for Europa League and for Conference Leagues But the title race is over More interesting is actually the bottom of the league Sampdoria are gone Cremonese would be a miracle If they stayed up at this point Spezia Hellas Verona and Lecce One of those three will go down In the Eri divisi. Feyenoord have been crowned champions, they're 8 points clear of PSV with 2 games left, Uh, then it's a 7 point drop off to AZ Alkmaar, who are a point clear of Ajax at the moment, but Ajax do have a game in hand, so if they win that game in hand they will get back into 3rd and get a Europa League playoff spot
0: rather than a Conference League qualifying spot. in northern larn
1: excuse me larn have won the northern irish league the NIFL premiership 6 points clear of linfield who themselves finished 3 points clear of glentoran so congrats
0: to larn for that one um in poland a team whose name i
1: cannot pronounce have won the league with two games to spare ahead of Legia Warsaw, another team I can't pronounce, and Lech Poznan. So congrats to the team I can't pronounce. house something or other. Um, in, in Portugal, Benfica are looking good value to win the title. They're four points clear with two games left. They win their next game, they win the title. Porto will finish second. Braga will finish potentially third. But if they were to lose both games, Sporting could still jump back in. But as things stand, it will be Braga third, Sporting fourth. Um, Four points clear with two points to go, two games to go rather. It's Benfica's title barring some sort of disaster for them. Uh, They have Santa Clara at home and Sporting away. As their last two games. You'd, you'd expect that they just beat Santa Clara. Uh, Porto. Have Famalicão away. And. Vitória At home. So they'll probably win both games. But it probably won't be enough. Um, in the League of Ireland. The season is. About three months old. And right now. Shamrock Rovers are top. Two points clear of Derry City who are three points clear of Bohemians, Dennis Dundalk, Shelburne, St. Patrick's Athletic, Sligo Rovers, Drogheda United, and Cork City and UCD currently sitting in the relegation spots. And UCD look particularly hopeless (coughs) as things currently stand. So, yeah. Scottish Premiership is over. Celtic have been crowned champions. Rangers will finish second. And it's a 31-point gap to Aberdeen, who are five points clear of Motherwell, uh, sorry, not Motherwell, Hearts. Um, Aberdeen and Hearts would take up Conference League spots. In the Liga, Barcelona are champions. Congrats to them. They're 14 points clear of Real Madrid, who are two points clear of Atletico Madrid. And Real Sociedad looking good value to finish fourth. Villarreal, Real Betis and Girona currently taking up... The European spots though, Bilbao, Osasuna, and Sevilla will all be eyeing that Conference League spot. And what a turnaround for Sevilla to potentially finish as high as seventh, given the disastrous season that they had, and the fact that for much of the year they were in the bottom th- the bottom five, say they were in the bottom three for quite a bit. They're on their third coach, Jose Luis Mendelebar. Um, he's done quite a decent job since taking over. But if you look at their week by week, as recently as game week 24, they were 17th. We're now on game week 34, they're 10th, but they're only a point out of the seventh place spot. That's a hell of a turnaround. And obviously, they're still in... The Europa League, they've got the home leg against Juventus to come, and that ended 1-1 in the first leg. So they'll fancy themselves to get to the final. Uh, this has gone off course, but yeah, the bottom line is Barça champions, Real and Atleti pretty much certain to be in the top four. Sociedad looking great bet as well. Uh, at the bottom of the league, though, Elche are gone. Espanyol, Getafe, Valladolid... Cadiz and um, I would say Almeria all potentially going down. Valencia have just about dragged their way out of it. They're four. They're, they're three points up on the team in 18th, which is Attafe, but they've got a significantly better goal difference, so they should manage to stay alive and stay in the division. And hopefully, it saves the club. But Peter Lim needs to get out. Someone needs to get him gone from that club because it's a scandal that he's he's there and he's allowed to do what he's done. In the Swiss League, young boys are once again champions. Servette will finish second, barring uh, unforeseen circumstances. Uh, Lugano and Luzerne finish out the European spots as things stand, but Grasshopper and Basel will both be still eyeing Conference League spots at worst. Uh, Conference League spot at best for Basel. Um, Turkish Super League, Galatasaray top five points clear of Fenerbahce and Besiktas, looking good value to win the league. Um, I don't know what situation, what way the situation is going to work. There's been some weird things going on with that league of late. They only have 19 teams, which is really unusual. Uh, I think all games were postponed last weekend. So, I am curious to see how it plays out. But, um,
0: yeah, so, sorry, what, what happened? Sorry, I, there isn't 19
1: teams. There's 17 teams because of the earthquake. Of, I'm an idiot, of course, because of the earthquake. Um, two teams had to withdraw, and the decision has been made that they won't be relegated. Now, it is a bit of a shit spot for the team's Above them, who could be relegated. Um, but it is what it is, I suppose. You can't really do much about it. Um, but yeah, Galatasaray right now. There was 19 teams to begin with, which was weird to me in the first place. There's now only 17 teams actually playing. Um, which is, again, 19 is just odd. But yeah, Galatasaray looking good. Bet, a good bet to win the league there. Uh, We can go to Ukraine. Now, it's a weird league again this year because a lot of players left and the teams aren't of a particularly high quality. But Shakhtar currently top. Two points clear of Dnipro. Um, Shakhtar probably did the best job at maintaining the group once players started leaving the country. And that's pretty much all I've got there. Let's go back through the big leagues and just check on the relegation zones. So, we've done Serie A. We've done La Liga in terms of relegation. Um, it looks pretty... It's oh It is, it is nail, it's, it's nailed on that Ajeco, Troyes and Angiers will all go down. Troyes are one of the clubs City just bought, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, that's a bit of a blow to them. I think... One of the days I might actually have a look at the other teams in the City Football Group and how they're doing. Just more of a morbid curiosity than than anything else. Um, so yeah, Ajeco, Troyes and Angers all down
0: there uh, in Portugal. Santa Clara are gone. Pacos
1: Ferreira are gone and Maritimo, I think, are, it is three to go down, isn't it? I believe it is three let's have a quick look and check on that uh, league table it is it's two go downs so that's Santa Clara and Pacos de Ferreira and Maritimo will face a playoff against one of the teams finishing at the top of the second division uh, I assume the team that finishes third in the second division will play them to come
0: up in the Bundesliga um Hertha Berlin, it it looks like they're done. I don't think they're confirmed
1: as down as yet. They're not confirmed down as yet. But they are five points behind Schalke with two games left. Stuttgart currently in the second automatic relegation spot. Schalke currently in the relegation playoff spot. Bochum... At one point outside the relegation zone. So still all to play for there. Hoffenheim not clear of the mess either. So anything could really happen with those teams. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll do a little bit of news. Uh, we'll have a look at Garth Crook's team of the week. Because, you know, why not? And we've got the gossip. And I also want to take
0: a look at something else. So stick with me for that. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back So, a uh, little bit of news While I have it here in front of me um,
1: goal Noted German reporter Has said that Sadio Mane Has no future at Bayern Munich And will likely leave the club this summer But it is likely that only Premier League clubs will be able to afford His £20 million per year salary If Mane was offered back To Liverpool, would you take him? I would say no, personally I think Liverpool have moved on. Sadio has moved on. It was the right. It was actually probably a year, maybe two years too late. But you know that's over. Time for a new chapter for both. I could see him at Newcastle. I could. I could see Newcastle deciding to to go for Mane. Um, I, I think he'd fit well there as well. I think he'd fit well in that team. Um, right. So Gary Neville. And Jamie Carragher did combined 11s of the United treble team and this current city team, which is chasing the treble. And I have to say, I thought both were just stupid, to be honest. Um, Gary Neville just picked the entire United team, which is just a nonsense. Carragher picked Peter Schmeichel, Kyle Walker at right back, Yap Stamm and Ruben Diaz as a centre-backs, Dennis Irwin at left back, David Beckham, Roy Keane, Ilkay Gundogan, Jack Grealish, and then De Bruyne and Haaland up front. Now, I'm not being funny, but there is no planet on which Jack Grealish in this season or any other season is better than Ryan Giggs. So Ryan Giggs is the left winger without question. I love Ilkay Gundogan. I might be the biggest Ilkay Gundogan fan who's not a Man City or Borussia Dortmund or fan or a German person. But over Paul Scholes, absolutely not. Absolutely not. That United midfield, Beckham, Keane, Scholes and Giggs, was perfect. It's the best midfield that English football has ever seen. In my my view, it's the best four-man midfield that the game has seen. The only one I would put up against it is the Lazio midfield under Ericsson of Stankovic, Veron, Simeone, and Nedved. They weren't together for nearly as long as this midfield and didn't achieve what this midfield achieved. So I'm sorry, but there's no sitting midfielder getting into that team. Not Rodri, not Gundigan, certainly not Jack Grealish. I do agree with De Bruyne and Haaland up front. That's who I would pick. De Bruyne off Haaland. So almost a 4-2-3-1. I agree with Ruben Diaz at centre-back. Next to Yapstam, I think that would be a monstrous pairing. But I'm not having Kyle Walker in this team. Now, Gary Neville was never a great player. Gary Neville was a good player who had a great career. But nobody ever watched Gary
0: Neville and got him confused with a great player. But I'm going to take a 24-year-old Gary Neville over
1: the current Kyle Walker. Now, if you think Walker was better at his peak than Neville was at his peak, that's fine. That's certainly an argument I can see. But the current version isn't nearly as good as Neville was at that point. Neville was 7 out of 10 every single week for about seven years. He was just a model of consistency. He was never great, but he was always pretty
0: good. So I'm just not having Kyle Walker. I'm certainly not having Jack Grealish. That's laughable.
1: Laughable. Grealish has had a good three months. That's about it. And they mentioned on the thing, well, well, Giggs only had three goals and one assist. You're picking it based on the travel, not based on just the Premier League. And Giggs was brilliant in the European Cup run and the FA Cup run. So, you know, those things have to factor in. Also, Ryan Giggs created a ton of goals where he didn't get the assist. So there's just no world in which Jack Grealish is anywhere close to the level of Ryan Giggs. It's Schmeichel, it's Neville, it's Stam, it's Diaz, it's Irwin. that's that's that. Midfield is the United four, it's Beckham, it's Kane, it's Scholes and it's Giggs. And up front, it's the City two. It's KDB and it's Haaland.
0: That's, that's just what it is. That is just what it is. Neville's Carragher's is stupid.
1: Neville's is just childish to pick the entire United eleven I mean be be a little bit serious about it for once. Guys asking if he used Pep's formation, how would it change so Pep's formation, I assume we're talking about the current formation, which is uh four three three that
0: breaks out into a three two four one so I would say I would say you leave out Neville and you maybe bring Nathan Aki into it and you have Dennis Irwin be the one that moves into midfield
1: so you've got Stam, Diaz, Aki, Irwin
0: and Keane and then you get Beckham, KDB, Scholes, Giggs behind Haaland. That
1: would be be frightening. Absolutely frightening. Four
0: elite creators behind Erling Haaland. With a mix of everything. Lots of
1: subtlety, lots of technical ability, and then that burning pace of Giggs on the overlap when needed. And the thing with Beckham and Giggs is they were more than happy to track back so they can drop back in either side of the, the three centre-backs. They can drop back in either side of Keane and Erwin and, and former four if you need. Yeah. I don't think it changes much. I think I think you'd be leaving out Neville and bringing in Aki and shifting to the back three. That would be the move. Um, Either way, there's just no world in which Jack Grealish gets in. Um, Marcelo Bielsa has officially been named and unveiled as the new coach of the Uruguay national team. Uh, he's been out of work for just over a year, taking some time to himself. And I couldn't be more excited about Marcelo Bielsa working with this Uruguay squad because Valverde and Ugarte and Darwin Nunes were all born to play For this lunatic It's going to be great fun I cannot wait to watch Uruguay under Bielsa Uh, Zakaria Akbulal The Toulouse striker Is training alone After an alleged altercation With a local official Uh, Toulouse said That the allegations reported by RMC Sport were serious The report claims Abukalal clashed with Toulouse's deputy mayor in charge of sport, Lawrence Arabage, at a ceremony celebrating the club's
0: French Cup win back in April. Interesting. Arabage played down the run in saying She had
1: asked the players to be quiet. The players do not like to be told to keep quiet like this.
0: Um, Interesting. Interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. That's a, It's a strange situation.
1: A very, very strange situation. Uh, I missed this the other day, but England named their squad for the under-20 World Cup. Uh, James Beadle of Brighton, Matthew Cox of Brentford, and Teddy Sharman Lowe. Of Chelsea are the goalkeepers, Callum Doyle of Man City on loan at Coventry, Ronnie Edwards of Peterborough, Bashir Humphreys of Chelsea on loan at Paderborn, Brooke Norton Cuffey of Arsenal on loan at Coventry, Daniel Aguike of Brentford, Gerald Kwanza of Liverpool and Imari Samuels of Brighton are the defenders, Carney Chukwemeka of Chelsea Alfie Devine of Spurs, Sam Adozi of Southampton, Darko Gabby of Leeds, Aaron Ramsey of Aston Villa on loan at Middlesbrough, Jacob's younger brother, Alex Scott of Bristol and
0: Harvey Vale of Chelsea are the um are the midfielders. Ah, Chelsea refused to release Lewis Hall, so he would have been in
1: the squad, but they need him for the end of season, and this tournament begins on the twenty-second of May, so that's why uh, he is not in the squad. The forward players are Liam Delap of Man City, Daniel Jebison of Sheffield United, Matteo Joseph of Leeds. And Dane Scarlett of Tottenham. There's a lot of talent there. There really is a lot of talent there. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens at Ronnie Edwards this summer because I do think a Premier League club should pick him up. I think he's really, really talented. And the same obviously goes for Alex Scott, who I've talked about a bunch. I think those two are, are really, really promising. Um, It is a little bit of a shame that Daniel Jebison. Scott and Edwards are the only players in the squad owned by non-Premier League teams. You've obviously got Doyle and uh, Norton Cuffey playing in the lower league and Ramsey as well on, on loans, but it's it would be better if, if there was a bit more of a balance. There's some really talented players in the championship I would have been interested in seeing getting involved. But yeah, I suppose with a couple of them, it was probably down to playoffs and stuff. But there was a few others I, w- I thought would have been uh, would have been involved. Adam Wharton of Blackburn, I thought would have been called up. He might still be called up. I don't know if they can add somebody uh, because Hall was well, he wasn't allowed to go because of Chelsea's need to have him. Um, I think that's everything. Yeah. That's Oh, no, we have Gareth Crooks's team of the week. Uh, and once again, proving that Gareth Crooks does not play football or does not watch football. He's picked Jason Steele. I, I don't actually mind that. He made a couple of big saves early in that game against Arsenal. Um, his back three, he's gone to Stupinan, who scored. Caicedo, who did play at the back. So I'm, I'm actually going to allow this one. And he was p- absolutely brilliant and a kanji and i can't i just can't get there with a kanji this this week ruben diaz i i just can't get there for a kanji i just can't not for this week ruben diaz was better than him this week like they play in the same team diaz was was better laporte was better so i'm not go, i'm not i'm not going to have a kanji in uh, in midfield, he went for Eze, who scored, Luis, who scored, Gundogan, who scored, and Curtis Jones, who scored. I actually don't have a problem with any of them. That's fine. Uh, up front, he's gone with Anthony, who just missed a bunch of chances. Uh, Awoniyi, who scored twice against Chelsea. And Callum Wilson. Now, I know he scored twice, but they were both penalties, and he was garbage otherwise. So I'm not having that. It just proves he doesn't watch any games. This fellow's an idiot. Uh, we'll move on and finish with the gossip. Manchester City midfielder Bernardo Silva is Paris Saint-Germain's top target to replace Lionel Messi, and that doesn't really fit with the younger French approach that they were apparently meant to be targeting. Arsenal are ready to offer Declan Rice, sorry, offer West Ham a club record ninety million for Declan Rice. Oh, wonderful! Ninety million. Brighton midfielder Moises Caicedo was a key target for Arsenal. I don't believe he is. I genuinely don't believe he is now. I think they'll get Rice. I think he's the only starting midfielder they'll add. And I think because they've got other stuff they need to do. They need a winger. They need a centre-back. They'll probably need to bring in... um, They want to bring in a different right-back as well to have a different option. And it wouldn't surprise me if they also added you know, maybe a number nine. So I just don't believe that they're going to buy Caicedo and Rice. Um, Napoli's Kim min Jae has agreed to join Manchester United this summer. I, I don't believe that he has. I wouldn't be surprised if he does go there, but I don't believe he's he's agreed to join as yet. Uh, Alexis McAllister wants to join a Champions League club. That has been fairly quickly rubbished. Uh, prospective new Chelsea manager Maurizio Pochettino is set to hold talks at Mason Mount. Overextending his contract. Nap Chelsea want Napoli's Victor Osman as part of their summer rebuild. I think it, how many times do like Chelsea need to sell a couple of hundred million worth of players? As things stand, and you think anyone's going to believe they're going to spend another hundred and fifty million then and not have to worry about the financial fair play rules? Roy Hodgson is close to signing a new one-year contract at Palace. That would be a mistake. That would be a mistake by Palace, in my view. Barcelona are interested in Ruben Neves, but Wolves want at least $45 million. He's had a contract in a year. Southampton's 28-year-old England midfielder James Ward-Prowse does not have a relegation release clause in his contract, but the club are expect expecting bids. Yeah, they should be hoping for bids. Newcastle's interest in Dominic Saboslai, has intensified, but there's been no contact between the clubs. Newcastle are interested in Conor Gallagher and James Madison, but face competition from Spurs for Madison. Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund want 25-year-old Mexican midfielder Edson Alvarez, who IX could sell for £30 million. Uh Phil Jones and Axel Tunzabi are expected to be released by Manchester United this summer. It's a shame what happened to Phil Jones's career. Uh, United are considering a move for 25-year-old Swiss international Gregor Kobel. I I don't know that Dortmund will sell him. He's a really good keeper, though. West Ham, this is great. West Ham are looking to appoint a director of football to ease the demands on sporting director Mark Noble. What that says is not that they're looking to ease the demands. It means that he's not good enough to do the job. So they're looking to replace him. And basically reassign him. To do something different. Uh, they also want to reduce the influence of David Moyes. Um, they should be looking to reduce the employment of David Moyes. Is what I would say. West Ham are monitoring Eunice Musa. Brentford and Spain goalkeeper David Rea. Is, top of, is near the top of Tottenham's transfer list. That's a... That's an interesting one. It's one that's been rumored for a while. Brentford could sign Freiburg's 29-year-old Dutch keeper Mark Flecken, who has a 13 million release 13 million release clause in his contract. He's he's okay. There's no resale value with him though, so it would be strange. <clears throat> Tottenham have held talks with Roma sporting director Thiago Pinto about their defect, director of football role. Uh, They've also held talks, apparently, with Tim Stietjen, who's outstanding. Pinto's very good, though. Very, very highly regarded for what he's done since going to Roma. So, yeah, I mean, it looks like they're at least targeting the right type of people. Uh, It looks like Deco is set to join Barcelona as some sort of sporting director type. Um, which is an interesting move for him because obviously he's been working as an agent and has done fairly well for himself as an agent, but it looks like he might be choosing to give up on that and move into um, move into more of a you know a, a club based
0: role. Now we've seen in the NBA a couple of different people who. were agents get jobs with teams
1: and some of them have had real success. Some of them, it hasn't worked out as well as I think they'd hoped. Like for example, the New York Knicks, they decided to go like really big when they were looking for their new president of basketball operations. And they appointed Leon Rose who was arguably the biggest sports agent, biggest basketball agent in America working with CAA. Um, So they went and got him. Now it's gone fairly well, but I think they hoped he'd be able to attract more superstar names. And so far that hasn't happened. Um, I think the, the obvious kind of home run on this is in golden state where Bob Myers is their director of football, uh, football, their general manager. He was previously an agent with Wasserman, and he's been incredible since taking over Golden State. So it it can work. It certainly can work. Uh, Deco's company, D20 Sports Management, is registered in Dublin, which is always interesting. Uh, His clients include Fabinho and Edmund Top Sapa. He would have to give up that, that agency would have to probably shut it down completely. But he will have he will have good contacts with other agents and with a lot of players through that. And it wouldn't surprise me if someone like Tapsapa rocked up to Barcelona because Kunde at right back, Balde at left back, Tapsapa and Arejo as a centre back pairing, that would be a fairly formidable defence. It really would be a formidable defense. Anyway, that's all I've got today, folks. Thanks, as always. I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.
0: cast network